Solid, sustaining, and successful. You're listening to the Speech Therapy Private Practice Startup Podcast with your host, Kyle Meads, speech and language pathologist. Listen, learn, and prosper as we share our experience and knowledge so that you can improve your business and your life one podcast at a time. Well, hello, everyone. You're listening to the Speech Therapy Private Practice Startup Podcast. This is episode number 49. My name is Kyle Meads, and I'm a speech pathologist since 1993. And these podcasts are designed to help you improve your business and your life one podcast at a time. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Thanks again for all the emails and all the questions. As of today, today is June the 26th, 2019. We have well over 51,979 listeners to the show, and I'm super fired up. You guys are out there getting good, valuable information, and it's free for you. And you know me. I say it every single podcast. It wouldn't be my podcast if I didn't say it. Value is what you get in the absence of money, and these podcasts are free for you. So what I would like you to do is just simply go to the iOS or Android platform of your choice and just leave some five-star feedback. That way, other people just like you can get the same valuable information that you're receiving right now because it's important to give back. And when I started this podcast over three years ago, I wanted to give out as much free information as possible. And to do that, I want to be able to drive the traffic to our website. And we're doing great when you Google start a speech therapy private practice. I mean, we're right there on top. I mean, we're helping a lot of people. I get a lot of questions during the week and I'm doing conference calls and coaching calls with people in the all access community. And they're always wanting to know how do you do it all? Well, that's because I have a team. I don't rely as a podcaster and as a business person, I don't rely on other clinics to show my subscribers and members of my community how to do things. We do it all here in-house. So if I want to teach one of the access community members about billing, you know, we can get on the phone and have a coaching call with our billing department. We have a referral department. We have a scheduling department. We have a team of therapists, multidisciplinary team of people and locations where we can help as many people as possible. That's from patients all the way to all access community members. So if you want to learn how to start your own practice, you're in the right place. And again, if this is your first podcast, welcome. Start at the beginning and work your way through all 49 episodes. Along the way, if there's anything you need from me, all you have to do is reach out to me, privateslp.com forward slash contact, and I'll help you. I get people all the time that say, you know, I can't believe you're just picking up the phone and calling. Well, absolutely, I'm picking up the phone and calling because I don't like typing and emails. It's just too much work. So I'd just rather get on the phone, talk to you, see what's going on in your business and see how I can help you because there is a solution. If you need help with your billing or credentialing, let me know. We can help you. If you want to start your private practice, let me know. We can help you. If you want to grow it and scale it, we can help you with that too because with all the experience that I've had doing this, there's always an answer. So I'll be more than happy to help you in any way that I can. Okay, today I'd like to answer some questions from 
Grace Tan Ching Man. She's a certified speech therapist, and she's a member of the Malaysian Association of Speech and Language and Hearing. She's a candidate member of the Malaysian Writer Society. She's also certified in Hannon. She also is certified in Picture Exchange Communication Systems and Vita STEM. She also has expertise in parental training on Hannon. She also does talks on breastfeeding, feeding disorders, and feeding therapy, talk tools, and also written communication therapies. And her website is gracetanchingman.com. And I'll leave this in the show notes below. But she simply reached out to me and wanted me to answer some questions for her so that she could share with her listeners. She's definitely a motivated individual. And she has her own magazine online. It's a subscription-based model. So I wanted to answer some questions for her. So let's get to these questions. As a speech therapist, I always come to the words of uh, freelance. So in Malaysia, we use the word freelance for uh, describing the speech therapists who work on their own practice. So uh, may I know, Mr. Carl, is the freelance equivalent to the definition of the private practice? Are they the same thing? Uh, or do you refer to those speech therapists who own a center? That's a great question. So basically the question is about what you would call someone in a different setting, basically freelance or a private practitioner. Now here in the States, we have multiple places that we can work different settings, so to speak. So, you know, when clinicians work as a speech and language pathologist, we can work in an outpatient clinic or an inpatient hospital or a school setting or a private practice. It can be in the community. You know, and when people work for someone else, they're generally an employee or a licensed speech pathologist who works in a different setting. But when I know other people, when you want to work for your own, when you want to be outside of an employment agency or you want to work for yourself and kind of hang your own shingle for your own own location, you know, you can call yourself maybe an independent speech and language pathologist or a private practitioner or a center-based SLP or a community-based SLP. Here's one. How about private SLP or even PRN? That's when you kind of part-time your way around uh, different settings or something like that. But I think for this question, when you have your own business, when you have your own clinic, I wanted to start my own business and I wanted employees in that business. So I try not to put my name on the business. That way I can hire a team to help serve those who need speech, occupational and physical therapy services in our area. So I hope that answers that question. Now let's go ahead and go to the second question. So Mr. Carl, as uh, we have known what is uh, the meaning of prior practice, it seems like a very new um, subject for those speech therapists who used to work in a center, uh, who work for the center rather than working on their own. So before we start any new venture, we might be afraid of the uncertainty. So from your experience, what are the mindset for private practice success? Kindly mention the mindset we shall have for those speech therapists who are wishing to have their own practice. 
The mindset needed for private practice, I mean, for me, and I'm only speaking for myself, but it's drive. I just had to have a lot of drive. It's scary. It's the unknown. And I just don't know what else to call it. I've got something in me. It's just a fire and I just can't stay still. I just wanted to make my own business. I know what I want and I know I had an expiration date on this. I mean, after Hurricane Katrina, I knew that I only had a limited amount of time to make the move and I just had to take care of me and my family. And so... You know, I also didn't understand the meaning of no. I'm a very hard-headed individual, which means uh, in the States, uh, somebody who just doesn't take no for an answer. My grandfather was the same way. I think it's a personality trait. But besides drive and not really taking no for an answer, kind of what this podcast is today, it's about being all-in attitude and just being 100% committed to being the best clinician I can be for my patients to come to see me in my office. And really, I think foremost, it's legitimately wanting to do a great job for the patients and families that we serve. You know, I've seen and talked to people in our profession, and you can always tell when someone's taking the job for the money or if their heart's in the right place. And definitely, I think the people who are the most successful at private practice are the ones that you can just tell it oozes out of their system. They want to make a difference in their patients and their families. Because really, for me, it's not about the money. It's about how I can help other people and help as many people as possible. So I hope that answers the question about the mindset needed for private practice. Let's go to the third question. How to prepare ourselves and how to tell that we are really ready for a private practice startup? Maybe you can give us some advice on how to getting a solid foundation to start a private practice. Well, to have any business that's successful and to have a solid foundation, I mean, specifically for speech therapy, we have to have patience. We have to have a referral source. So I think having what's called an offer that converts at its simplest form is how you know that you are going to have a solid foundation. So let's think about that. An offer that converts. What's our offer in our speech therapy private practice? Well, obviously, it's speech therapy services for kids or adults or whatever market that you're going after. So you have to offer a good, solid treatment for the patient at an affordable price that they can afford so they can come back again and again and get the help they need from you. And you have to set yourself apart from other people in your community. So I think that referrals are very necessary to have that solid foundation because if you don't have a patient flow, then you really don't have a business, do you? Also, another thing that I would focus on is community alliances with pediatricians or doctor's offices, psychologists or referral clerks in the area, and really being very embedded in your market, in your community, having talks, you know, you can go to the library and educate families on what speech or language disorder is. I mean, being a very big advocate in your community. And to me, I think that is what makes, you know, that solid foundation for a speech therapy private practice. Let's go to question number four. In my personal words, Your private SLP podcast is really amazing. 
Shall we know that uh, what are the motive? I mean, what motive you to come up with something so fascinating and influential? Is there any um, incident or any event that push you to come up with something that that is so amazing? My motive behind the creation of PrivateSLP.com and the all-access community where I coach other people to start, grow, and scale their own private practice, and even the motivation to start my own business, to start what I'm doing, is really simple. I love helping other people. I genuinely love helping other people. I like watching the light bulb go off, and I like helping other people. I like coaching people. And I remember after Hurricane Katrina, I was living in New Orleans, and I lost that job that I had. And, you know, we were uprooted from New Orleans to Arizona, and there was this little window of opportunity where the light went off. And I remember talking to the accountant at the time because I was trying to get my taxes in order so I could file my taxes and, you know, because, um, you know, we had some losses in New Orleans and things like that. But I just remember she saying, you know, you can always go back and get a job. You can always go to the school or the nursing home. And that just really made sense to me. And, you know, when I was younger in graduate school, I used to make study guides. I would take my notes in class and I would make them into colorful notes and packets that I could sell. So I really like to sell things. When I lived in New Zealand, There was a time where I lived in the Northland. I worked for the Northland District Health Board. I used to import and export different things. I also used to study information products at that time. Some key players over in the New Zealand and Australian market who really helped shape the way that I made information products. So that was a big thing. I like to motivate others. But really, I think Hurricane Katrina was the best thing that ever happened to me because after Hurricane Katrina, I had a decision to make. You know, there's never a better time to start something when it's uncomfortable. And I had to take care of my child, my family. I had to make money. And um, I just had to do what I had to do. So this whole private SLP part of this was just documenting everything that I do in my private practice so I could teach others how to do it. So really, when someone asks me for coaching, when someone wants to become an all-access community member at privateslp.com, then I can show them step-by-step what I did to create what we have here in Tucson, Arizona, the multidisciplinary clinics, the, you know, the multiple locations. So that was really the motive behind Private SLP, documenting what I'm currently doing clinically here in Tucson, Arizona, so that other people can learn. Let's go to this last question. After we have listened to all the podcasts, uh, shall we know that what is your, uh, can you give reader a little bit of your background? Like what is your uh, education and working background and your interests and your specialists so that our readers can understand you better? Thank you. My background is pretty simple. I have humble beginnings. My father was a plumber. He did not graduate high school, but he had a serious work ethic. My grandfather was also a union pipe fitter, which means my grandfather did water pipes and built hospitals. I remember as a small child, go to see my grandfather at work, and here they are building these big hospitals in a town called Morgan City, Louisiana. It's kind of in the Bayou area, but I remember going to see my father. And 
I just really thought, you know, that's really cool. My grandpa was building all these big malls in Baton Rouge, and it's just really neat. And I remember my dad, he was a plumber. He had over 100 employees at one time in his business. And I remember I just got the taste of money. I remember one summer, my father asked me if I wanted, well, he didn't ask. He said, you're going to work with us this summer because you're out of school. And I said, well, I need to take a break. It's summer. He says, now you're going to come work with me and I'm going to pay you. So I would get 80 to to $100 a week and I got a company paycheck but I really worked hard. I remember my dad saying, you know, son, you are the owner's son, but you're going to have to work harder than other people to show them that you're not some spoiled kid who just sits around and gets anything you want. And I just, for some reason, that stuck. And I remember my dad used to tell me, he would say, I need you to go out into the, the plumbing shed out there and make some gas line for me. I need a hundred of these fittings and a hundred of those fittings. And, you know, I, I just remember one time going into the office and I said, daddy, it's really hot. And in Southeast Louisiana, it gets really hot in August and September and, you know, in the summer. And he said, you know, if you want to come sit in the air conditioner, maybe you might want to think about going to college. But right now I need you to go out there and do what I told you to do. And things were non-negotiable back in the early 70s. So it's a completely different world now. But that really shaped me just being around my father. And I remember my dad, he used to pack me around on his shoulders when I was a little kid and we'd be at the fair. And I remember him having conversations with other men about business. And of course, I didn't know what they were talking about, but something about my dad's voice, he would shake hands and, you know, those were handshake deals. And he kept his word. He was honest, still is. You know, I talked to my dad almost every day and my father was just a big influence in my um, career now. I went to LSU in Baton Rouge. I'm a graduate of Louisiana State University. I went to graduate school at LSU Medical Center, Louisiana State University Medical Center in New Orleans. And I did the program there for two years. I moved. My first job was in Whitesburg, Kentucky for Appalachian Regional Healthcare. And then from there, I moved on and went back to New Orleans. And, you know, I've lived in New Zealand. I've lived overseas. I've traveled. I've worked in all the settings known to man for speech. And I just love doing what I do and helping people. I've got one son and he's now 13 and we ride dirt bikes and we have fun. He loves skateboarding. I'm an active parent in my son's life and I care about him and his school. He's a smart boy. And I'm just trying to show my son a good example of what a good father and a good parent can be. And that's one of the reasons I like to do what I do is kind of document this stage of my life, you know, the growth of our business, document the people that we help on privateslp.com. So that's a little bit about me and what really early on shaped me to be what I am today. And I just wanted to say thank you for sending these questions to me. And I know the reason that I'm playing this for our listeners is I know that our listeners, just like your listeners in Malaysia, will get a lot of value out of your questions. So again, thanks for sending those questions to me. Now, today's episode is about being all in. And when you think about being all in, I kind of think of it as is like breakfast, you know, the hen makes a contribution to the breakfast, but really the pig is the one that's all in, right? And the biggest question that I hear all the time is, you know, when you started, why did you do it? Now, for me, I wanted more time with my son. He's now 13, but I really wanted more family time because after Hurricane Katrina, I needed a life change. And I said, you know, this is the best time for me to start from scratch. So I just did it. But, you know, you really have to ask yourself when you're going all in, 
why do you even want to be in business? You know, is it just for more income or do you want to have more time with your family or is it personal growth time? Do you want just, you know, the challenge of it all? Do you need a career change? You know, maybe moving from more treatments to more of a management role. So those are some questions you have to be very honest because I talk to a lot of practice owners And some of them are just kind of dabbling in the fact that they want to be in private practice. But when it comes down to it, they're still relying on their job and their paycheck from their employer so they can make ends meet or they're running high debt, you know, credit card debt, consumer debt. And that's not a good place to start. So, you know, I remember when I made that step to being all in, when I made that jump, when I made that leap, I had to get very, very honest with myself. So that's one of the biggest questions I would say to you as a potential practice owner or somebody who really wants to scale it, you know, why do you even want to do this? Because if you don't set it up right the first time, it can be really difficult to manage it later on. So that's one of the greatest things I think about being a member of the all access community at privateslp.com is, you know, you're learning from experience and I've made tons of mistakes and I document those mistakes in the community. So it's just another way to reassure you that you can get what you need. Now, a lot of people, the second question to be all in is, you know, how do I even start? You know, some people use that term, fake it till you make it. You know, I disagree. There's no way to fake you know, being in business, you know, there's some things you can do to make it look like you're a big business owner, but like with your phone systems and answering your phones and returning your phone calls and hiding your number to be a big clinic number or having a bunch of zeros at the end of your number. But at the end of the day, you've got to have a good service to give your patients. And if you don't have that, you've heard me talk about this in other podcasts, you got to have an offer that converts. And an offer that converts at its basic form is you have a service to provide in exchange for the fee and you provide that service and you provide it to the best of your ability. And when you do that well and take care of your patients and families, you'll see what I'm talking about. You'll have exponential growth. And again, that's how you start. You got to have an offer that converts and you got to have strategies and systems and you want to make sure you're providing the best location for your patients and your service delivery, you know, is it going to be group or individual or if you're going to take insurances or if you're going to just do packages and cash deals and things like that. So when it comes to starting how to start, that's another thing that the All Access community talks about, how to even get credential with insurance companies if you want to take insurances. And people say, oh, what a headache. But you know, there's a way to do things appropriately. I talked to a business owner recently who was working and just really working hard, but she was doing her billing at the end of the week. One time per week, she was doing her billing and she couldn't figure out why she couldn't get paid. And I said, you know, the first thing is when you see a patient, you got to get your money. And that might be in a check or a credit card or bill the insurance with a copay or deductible or coinsurance. And again, this might be confusing to you, but it's a lot of information. But you got to get paid at the time of service. And another reason to bill at the date of service is because the following week, you can give the patient a copy of the EOB once that claim is processed and you can say, this is what you owe per visit. So, you know, it's really clear. But again, billing and accounts receivable are two totally different things. I always use the expression, you can train a monkey how to bill, 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 but it's an art and a science to be able to pick up a phone and call 
an insurance company to work your denial. So again, how to start, you got to make sure you're going to get paid and you want to work your claims. And also when to start. You know, sometimes people say, you know, is there a better time to start during the year? Anywhere, you know, when than January or June or in December. It really, I don't think that makes a difference. But when it comes to insurances, you have to remember about deductibles. So deductibles, many people's insurances have deductibles and those are generally met by the fifth or the sixth month. So when it comes to cash flow from insurance companies, you may want to consider starting in June, July, or August or something like that. But that's just a suggestion. Every place is different. Every market is different. Every city is different. Just depends on your demographics and your patients. But again, in this episode, I wanted just to kind of review being all in and, you know, why you even want to be in business and how to start and maybe when's the right time to start. So I hope this has been a helpful episode for you. And if you have any questions about growing or scaling your own speech therapy private practice, you can reach me at privateslp.com forward slash contact. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Speech Therapy Private Practice Startup Podcast. For more information on Speech Therapy Private Practice Startup or to stay connected with Kyle, please visit privateslp.com.